Today I have a message, and I've been working on it, and I had it worked out to about one this morning. Then I had it while I was typing, and it changed. So I'm praying that it's going to come out the way it's supposed to. Um, my message that I have is called Living Your Best Life. And subtitle is Saved and question mark in the blank. So saved and what else? So first I'm going to start with John 10.10. 10. It's a familiar scripture. Everybody's probably heard it once or twice. If you've been sitting in church long enough, I know you have. And it says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. One version says to the full, to the max, to the overflow. Which is why I say the best life. Now, so what is your best life? In society, society's definition of best life worships at the altar of achievement and success. It's measured by how big your house is, what type of car you drive, the size of your bank account, lavish vacations, and how, pe- how many people answer to you. Basically, all the Facebook highlights that you see of people. That's not real life. That's not really what best life is about. Now, it may be showing your success and showing you where you are, but it's truly not what God has for you. So I want to tell you that God has a greater plan for your life than just what you can accumulate while earning a living. In John 10, 10, he says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly to the full. Now, here it talks about how it talks about he came that we may have life. Now, that life there is speaking about our salvation. Which is great. I mean, that's awesome. We all should be striving to be live a life where we're saved and Christ has given his life of us. And we're free from sin and we're free from condemnation and we're free from all these things. But what else? He said, and have life more abundantly. So saved for what? That's a big and in there. Now that and... Uh, some of us never get there. We're, we're some of us. We're happy we're saved. You know, and the old saying say that we get in in heaven smelling like smoke because we barely miss hell, right? And we happy with just being saved. But he didn't save you just to sit around on on on, on you as as the old pastor used to say, sitting on you do nothing. He wanted he saved you for a reason. But he has a life that's a, that he has for you that's way above what you're seeking for now. If you're looking for it in, in earthly treasures and accolades, then you won't find it there. Um, one, one person said that there's a God-sized hole in your heart and only He can fill it. You can try everything else, but only God can fill it. So how do we move from just being saved to, a, to the life more abundantly? Well, I wrote down a couple of points that I wanted to do. I was speaking on this and I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, first of all, we must trust God with our lives. Not just the parts we want to give Him, but every part of our life. You know, I was thinking about this uh, trust part, and I was thinking about, I don't know, I was sitting there, I was thinking about my daughter, my youngest daughter when she was younger. She was about two. Still had them big old hard, clunky, hard bottom shoes that they learned to walk in so they don't wobble. Oh, they don't do that now, but, you know, back in the day they used to have them hard shoes. And she was barely able to walk at two. And if y'all have ever seen my mom them house, they got a hill in the front yard that's probably about chest high for me. And my daughter's just up on the top of the hill, and I'm looking and paying attention to traffic, and she just jumps. And 
she's not paying attention to whether daddy paying attention and going to catch her or not. She just jumped. And I'm like, girl, you should, you could have had all kinds of knots. But she ended up not having knots. I caught her. But I, when I think about that trust, I think about the way God wants us to trust Him. And there's, a, there's a scripture that says we must come to Him as little children. Little children don't care about where it's coming from, who got it, who needed it. They know, they say, Daddy, can I have? Daddy say, I got it. They don't care if the bill do. They don't care what's going on. They know that Daddy has it. And God wants us to trust Him in that type of way. Um, so trust here, trust, the definition of trust means to rely on the truthfulness or accuracy of, to believe what they say is true, to place confidence in. Um, you know, there's so many things in the Bible, so many characters in the Bible that you can use, that you can talk about trust, that you can talk about obedience, that you can talk about all these things that we talk about. You know, I think about it all the time. We use all these cliche Christian things, sayings that we have, but how many of them do we really trust? And believe? Well, i get into that later. I'm, I want to get ahead of myself. But we say a lot of sayings, but do we really believe them? So trusting means to tr- rely on the truthfulness or accuracy of to believe what they say is true, to place confidence in. It's like when you go to sit down in a chair. You don't, you don't go and flip it over to see if it will. You just trust that it's going to hold you up. God wants us to trust Him in that way. Now, David was one who placed his, his trust fully in God. Now, I know we all talk about David having these misgivings and all these things, but God said he's a man after his own heart. So I know that I, I watched David pray and seek God, and say, and God say, he say, Lord, shall I go up? He say, go up. He said, I give them to you in your hands. But I'm thinking more back in First Samuel 17, 36 and 37, and 37 uh, David was, this was, and everybody knows this scripture, it's all about when David went out to meet Goliath. Well, he was, in this point, he was actually talking to uh, Saul. And, he, and Saul was like, he's a man of war, he's done all these things, uh, you're just a boy. And he said, look, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. See, his trust wasn't in what his ability was. Now, later on in this passage, he actually says that, well, in another verse later in this chapter, he actually says that God delivered me from the power of the lion. He delivered from me, me from the power of the bear, and he would deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Then he told Goliath, I come to you, you come to me as spear and... Uh, all this other, so he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So he trusted fully in God. Now, I know the rest of them, I mean, he had a whole army scared of him. I mean, the king was like, he too big. <laughs> he said, he too big for us to fight. They were like, he too big to miss. I'm going to hit him with it. So, but he trusted God to ha- take him through that and to bring him out through that. So we have to learn to trust God fully. And that comes through, and I, as I look, thought about this trust in people. You don't just give trust freely to people. Generally, you have to start somewhere. And I, y'all hear me talk a lot about religion versus relationship. I was listening to a song the other day, and it said, I lost my religion, but I found God. Now, I know that sounds a little oxymoron, but let me say, religion is always man's attempt to get to God. 
relationship is God's attempt to get to us. He doesn't want your ritual of coming in here early on Sunday and falling out over the place and praising and worshiping with your mouth, but you going out there living in a kind of way without Him. He wants to know if you're going to believe more than what His words say, what His Bible says. See, because He's speaking to you if you're spending time with Him. That's why you have to learn to build a relationship with Him. Spend time with Him. Talk with Him. Pray with Him. Sometimes just sit and listen because Lord knows sometimes I get, I, I was thinking earlier, I, I get so busy in the business of doing stuff that I do all the time. I'm running through the church. Y'all see me moving. I'm going. I'm doing. And in life, I'm doing the same thing. Sometimes we just have to sit and listen to him. I was listening to a song today. It was talking about how I want to do all these things for you, but I don't sit and glean from you. I got to sit and listen to what he has for me, for where his where he's directing my life. Because if we really want the best life, we got to want the life that he wants for us. Now, so that leads me into my second point, which is we must be obedient to God, to God and to his word. Now, I know you say, well, obedience and trust, okay. Well, first of all, I'm not going to obey you if I don't trust you. If you're sending me down there and everybody else is coming the other way, and I know it's harm for me, and I can't trust you at your word because you're the first one turning the other way, I'm not going. So we have to learn to trust God at His word and obey His word and obey Him. So obedience means we must follow the commands or guidance of, and it means to conform or comply with. It means to do what you're asked to do. And this this uh, definition really got me because I know I'm kind of wishy-washy sometimes with this one. But it says, he said, it says, do what you're asked to do immediately, completely, and willingly. And sometimes I go kicking and screaming. Sometimes I'm going upstream, trying to swim upstream. Sometimes I'm just like, Lord, no, I don't want to go. I can remember some time when they told me I had to do something. I was like, I'm not going to do it. And I didn't. I stood on it, and then I watched life fall apart. And I said, okay, Lord, you got my attention. I'm turning around. So how many times do we really just give ourselves completely and and unfailingly towards to him and to what he has for us? It's very often that we find ourselves really kind of missing the point and really not following God's word because... We don't trust Him. But, like I said, then it goes back to why don't we trust Him? Because we're not spending that time with Him. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot of examples of obedience in the Bible. It said Abraham, Abraham was said to have believed in believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. You know, you look at Abraham's life, he went through so many things. He went through, you know, to believe God for a son when you 99 and 100 and watching, and you watching years after years, everybody else have, you watching everybody else live life, you're watching things go the ways that they're going. But when you're, when you're looking, you're like, Lord, it's not going that way for me. But he still had to believe, and he said it was counted to him for righteousness. And then there was Paul. Um, I think about Paul. You know, Paul was zealous for good works. He said he was persecuting Christians, even putting, holding the cloak while they was killed, putting them to death, all of these things that he did, all of these things that they said bad about him. But when he met God, he changed his life for him. It went from having a, an encounter with him, with having that relationship with him, because three days blind, you ain't got nothing to do but listen, you can't see. So guess what he was doing? Then after that, I, I mean, I don't know how much, many of y'all really read into that, but Paul, 
It said when he got his sight, he went off into the wilderness for a while. He, for, uh, I forgot how long it is. I know it's about a year, but he was studying and learning from God personally. So he may not have walked with Jesus, but he was getting it firsthand because he was spending the time in, in the Word. You know, I was listening to Pastor earlier today, and he was talking to him on, on so many points that we, that we live in. Do we really live them or do we do? And I don't know if he was preaching up here or if I was talking to him in, in, in just us having conversation, but he was talking about how we need to spend time in, with God, how we spend that time every day with Him. We seek Him first. You know, I I got a, my, I made my habit a long time ago, and I I really, you know, people used to say, well, you need to get on your knees to pray. Well, I'm tell you, most mornings I don't, my feet don't hit the ground. I lay right there because I tell them before my feet touch the ground, I want to talk to him because I know I got a day ahead of me, and I want him ahead of me before I get there. And I want him to show me where I need to go. There may be somebody that need to hear a voice, hear my hear a word from him, and he may need to use me. But if I'm so busy doing what I'm doing, I'm gonna miss the miss the time with him to hear his voice and his leading on where he's really taking me. Um, you know, when I think about Paul, like I said, he was obedient all the way to God. Told him that, I mean, he was among the Jews and and, and the elite. Before he started serving Christ, so he had to cast off everything that he had grown and gained that he, that he counted as those great things that we count as great. He cast them all. He said, "I count them as nothing." All the way to the point where God told him that he was going to go and speak to the Romans. He was going to speak to kings, and he ended up. He spoke to him, but he was in chains while he was doing it. So he was obedient even the chains. Not only that, here was Jesus. He was. It said he was obedient. Unto death, even death on the cross. Now, he asking us for small stuff, but Jesus was obedient unto death. Paul was obedient until he was in chains. All of these people are, are showing, you know, you read uh, Hebrews 11, it talks about the great hall of faith and how all of these lists of people, Abram, Gideon, all of these names, and how they're known for their faith and their, their obedience and the things that they've done. But they only known because they were Trusting God, and they was obedient to God. Now, the last one that I got, and I told you y'all may be getting out of here real quick, <laughs> is that we must have faith and faith. And faith means, and I, I went through trust and obedience because trust plus obedience equals faith. If I don't trust the word that I'm getting, if I'm not obedient to the word that I got, then I'm not going to move in faith to do it. So, I got a definition for obeying God. And it says, obeying God, no matter what you were told. Well, it says, obeying what you were told by God, no matter what. And I sit and think about, like I said, all of those. You think about Gideon. He had all these people ready to go fight. And God said, no, it's too many. Like, too many? It's, we way less than they are. Like, too many? What you mean? He said, go down by the brook. He had them to kneel down, had those that was looking down at the water, had those looking up and keeping watch. And he got rid of a lot of them and kept, uh, I forgot how many, 250 maybe. And he went against a whole army. But he had to trust God even when <laughs> when it looks like it's crazy. It looked like it's, I mean, crazy. I, I think about my life and things that God has told me to do. And I'd be like, Lord, I don't even see how that's going to work. I mean, I just think about it, just one thing. Just when I was when I was in Iowa, and I got, 
I felt like I woke up dreaming that I was preaching, which was really funny because I was like, Lord, they told me I was going to be a preacher for years. And I was like, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And I ran the other way, and Lord knows he still got me. Uh, I guess he's going to get it. He said he's faithful to complete what he said he's going to do. So his word don't come back to him void. So when they speak it, if it's, a, it's, if it's a true word and a true prophet, and it's true from him, you know, you know, and he did. But I was sitting up thinking, I'm like, Lord, I need an exit plan on how to get out this truck. And I started planning, okay, I'm going to get out the truck in January. I, that gave me enough time to get my bills where I need them, this and that, this and that. And I was sitting up here trying to figure out a plan for God to do something that he already got a plan for. But, you know, how many times do we get in front of God and try to do things and work? I was reading one of the things I was reading as I was studying. It was talking about how many times we fail because we're looking with our own eyes. We're thinking with our own brain and we're trying to figure it out and we say well lord it can't be done uh because i can't figure it out <laughs> and god said if i wanted you to figure it out i told you to figure it out he said i said trust in me be obedient to me have faith in me and we have to step and do that and i and it got to the point where and i'm just going to tell y'all how i ended up i i never did make it to december i mean to january to get out of the truck I ended up going to the doctor. They told me, well, you're going to have surgery and you're going to have to have it by December. So I was out of the truck in November. In December, January, I was, I was already in the church and already in place doing what he had me to do. I thank God that he moved me that way because if I had tried to figure it out, I would have never had enough money or I'd always found another reason to do something other than what he asked me to do. And ain't that what we do? We find so many things. You know, one, as I was studying the scripture with, um, John 10, 10, long, uh, it says that that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, he comes to, comes to steal our vision, steal our joy, steal our joy, destroy our vision, kill, um, well, kill, steal our joy, kill our dreams, and um, destroy our lives. And he does that, and and it be subtle. It's not like he's coming and he's chopping on you. He'll send something. So you know, in th- verse thirteen, it said a little bit more about him. It said in chapter in uh, verse thirteen, it said that. That he sends, it's like a, you see a wolf coming and he scatters the sheep. Now I thought about that at first and I was thinking physically, okay, yeah, the sheep are running and this and that, but I got thinking about how my mind thinks, how he gets in my brain. He gives you the deceitfulness of riches. I got to have this, I got to have that. I want the, I want, I want, I want a Benz because everybody else drives. I want a big car because everybody, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because there's not. But if it gets in the way of what God is asking of you to do, See, and that's what Satan would do. See, it say, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It didn't say love of money. You got to make a living. He said, matter of fact, I got a verse here in just a minute. I'll get to. He, matter of fact, i go down now. It says in Proverbs 24, 27, it says, go ahead, build your career and give yourself to your work. He said, but if you put me first, your fam- you'll see your family built up. So there's nothing wrong with it, but we got to watch how we get it. We got to make sure that we're following him the way he gets it. Like I say, there's a worldly system and it works for worldly people. But if you're a Christian and you're trying to live a life that God called you to and you want a full life, a satisfied life. I told him in the class this morning, you know, that happiness is fleeting. I may feel happy today, I may not. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I should always have a joy in me. But I won't have that joy if I'm worried about the, the problems of the world and the things that come up. You know, in, in this verse it says, don't, don't take no thought about, well, that's in my other verse too. It says, take no thought for tomorrow, it has enough 
word for itself. It's, another verse says the body is more than raiment the, and, 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 and clothing and food. It's more than it. He wants to, to give us a full life, but we want to... Can I just say this? I'm just going to be plain with it. How many times do we just settle for what we can reach instead of trusting God for what we can have? You know, that's why we can't get our best life. Because we'll always settle for a substitute or less. He wants to give us above. You know, in another scripture it said he, he gives us above. He's the God who gives us above. Exceedingly and abundantly above all that we're able to ask, think of, even imagine. And I know some of us got some wild imagination. I know I do. I could see me in a Bentley truck. I don't, I don't know about y'all. I could be, I could be saved and drive a Bentley. <laughs> but, but I mean, I got some wild dreams. And I don't know what God has for me, but I know one thing. I don't want to put him in a box. I don't want to give him just a little bit of me. And he wants to do so much more. You know, our lives are, affect more than just who we come in contact with at church. We got a life at work. We got a life at our home and our families. We got a life out in Walmart. We got a life everywhere we go. And we ought to see the joy of Jesus in us everywhere we go. We ought to be letting the fragrance and an aroma come out everywhere we are. Because God has so much more for us. You know... Now I'm gonna go into uh, back to the faith thing. I just wanted to say I just I don't know I just felt like I wanted to say that we too many times we just settle for just enough. Back to what I said earlier, we settle for just being saved when God says He has an abundant life for us. So I, I want you to have everything that He has for you. I mean, when He says to the joy, to the full, to the max, to the overflow, that's for us, and I want you to have that. I want to have it for myself, but I sure want to see y'all having it. You know, think of the testimony of your life. You don't have to even speak to people. They already see the difference in you. They see your light shining. They don't have, you know, you don't have to settle for that life. But how many times do we because we get caught up with everything else? Now, back to obeying God no matter what. You think about Noah when he was building the ark. I mean, I know people were looking at him crazy. Ryan, what's Ryan? Say, you big in this building, this big old boat ain't no sea or ocean, nowhere close to here. How are you going to get it to the water if you do get it built? But he's trusting God. He's going through everything the whole time, and he's just trusting God at his word that he will do exactly what he said he's going to do. And that's what that obedience looks like, no matter what it looks like. I know sometimes, I know that's going all out the way to say say something that's, that's simple, that but... It's some the simple things that he may ask us just to do something a little bit differently than we do. Slow down to 30 today. I might, I might want you to miss that wreck up there on down the highway that he asked for you to be safe. You know, there's things that, small things that he changed. Oh, well, why don't you get up at 6.30 today and seek me first before you go to work at 7. Spend the first 30 minutes with me. Some, most times he's asking for us obedience in small things. Because he wants our heart. He wants to, us to build that relationship so we can start to trust him, so we can start to obey him in what he, he's telling us to do. He wants us to get to that point that we can stand on faith and we can trust him without wavering. And I know I don't, I don't trust him without wavering. Like I say, I'm, 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 I'm that analytical person. Pastors talk about it all the time. I'm always trying to see the details. Of it. I want to figure it out. I want to see the end before the beginning, but only he does. But I have to trust him in that. Now, <clears throat> David also had to go through this thing where he was <laughs> having to obey God no matter what. 
think about David's whole life. He went through a whole lot of things. First of all, he had to be obedient to his father to go up to the line to take bread to his brothers to even get there. And, you know, I was thinking about it. He, then his brother argued with him and said, said, who you left them little sheep with? He could have been thinking, see, go back to that scattering, the scattering of the sheep and how he uses your brain. His brother got the coming at him and coming against him. Now, he could have sit there and argued with his brother for an hour and a half, two hours about I just did what God asked me. But instead he said, can I speak? And then he turned on back and started talking to the king. He could have been, like I said, he he was sending distractions, things that just get your mind off of what his focus is for you. And like I said, it'd be small, subtle things. And he, you know, in the Bible it says that the devil is subtle, more subtle than any of them. That means he's slick. He cunning, he's sly. They say he'll slick a can of oil, right? But he can get you, he'll get you to think in the wrong way, and you won't even realize that it was him to sit that little seed in there. He'll just plant it and see if you'll just fertilize it up and get it built up to where he try, where it stops you from what he's really trying to get you to. But David didn't take that bait. He went on and he went and did what he said. Like I said, and y'all saw where he went and ended up defeating the Goliath. Now, out of Goliath, he ended up getting because he was obedient. To the Father, and that he trusted God and had faith and moved in it. He ended up with obedience. He ended up with the king's daughter, which means that he was rightful heir to the throne once everybody else was gone. So, I mean, that he would lawfully he wouldn't have been able to get it because he wasn't in the king's line, but he was because he was married to the king's daughter. Now, all of that came through obedience and walking out this faith. So, but you think about it, even when he got anointed king, he ended up. Back in the sheep, sheep herd, shepherding. He was out there, you know, you know, I was reading something that was interesting. And this is not even something, it's just something for y'all to know. But, you know, Jesse, uh, the, the translation that it said, he said, that, oh, it's one that's out in the field. But, you know, in the original, uh, as I was studying, it said, there's a worthless one out there. <laughs> he called him worthless. But ain't we glad that God didn't look on who he was and what he was, but God looked at his heart and knew that he would follow him and trust him and have faith in him and be obedient to him. So anyway, so don't, so side note, don't worry about what folks think. You just keep on being what God said you are. Gideon even talked himself out of it. He said he was the smallest in his tribe and the least of the smallest of the tribe. But God said he was a mighty man of valor. So we need to start, that's one thing we need to do is start changing our perception to see ourselves the way that God sees us and not the way we do. We'll always see imperfection. We'll always see that we're not enough. Unless you've got an ego that's huge. I don't trust me because I didn't want to be, I'm, I was shaking coming up because I'm more nervous, like I said. But I know that I have to believe what God says about me. And once I can have that relationship with him, then I understand. See, because in his word, he says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, before I formed you, I knew you. So all the plans, he said in 29, 11, Jeremiah, he said that he know, I know the thoughts that I have to you. Plans for a future and hope. So he already knew all these things. So I have to, first of all, start believing how I do. That's why it's so important to start trusting him and having that relationship. Because you're never move to obedience and faith if you don't build that because you will see you in your faults and failures he see you under the blood he see you covered in him he see you with him as your strength with him as your peace with him as your joy with him is giving you a direction and he said if you'll follow me he said i'll direct your path so we have to trust him with it but we have to get to those points so after that david ended up running for his life for years i mean he ended up in caves 
And you know, even and you know, even even in this, sometimes you get opportunities to do things that's not God's will. So, I wasn't gonna get in here, but I guess I didn't study enough. It's coming. Uh, but he, he, there was a time when why Saul, uh, David was hard, hiding in the cave. Saul came to uh, use the bathroom. You know, they didn't have porta potties back then. They had to go in the cave and get to the place where they was at. Well, he was in there, and David cut off a piece of his cloth. Uh, of his robe, he said, and he could have killed him. But what da- what David said was, "Forbid me if I if I would touch the Lord's anointed." So even though he was anointed king, he knew that God he was the appoint- Saul was the appointed man in God's place. So sometimes it's take not taking the opportunity that you do have to do that wrong. Now it may it may have fast tracked him, or it may not have. But he was obedient enough to God to trust him that that was his man. So. You know, with that being said, when we talk in politics, and y'all know I don't, whether you agree with who is in office or not, he said, God, he said, all authority is appointed of God. Now, I wasn't going over there either, but you can have that for free. Um, anyway, so he went from hiding in the caves, and yet he still had faith all the way to the point that he became king of Israel. Well, first king of Judah, then king of Israel, all of Israel. But had he took the moments to doubt, and to worry and to not do those things that God had for him or be obedient in those areas, how would he have really been there? Oh, we never know. Thankfully, he was obedient to it. But now let's think about our lives. How many of us could have been somewhere to, different if we had just only obeyed, had just only trusted him, had just only had faith where we wavered? I mean, I can tell you, I, I can think of times when I know I have done it on many occasions. So anyway, I said earlier that God has nothing against you being successful or rich or any other things attached to it. I, like I said, he said, go ahead, build your career, build your, build your, get yourself, give yourself to work. He said, but put me first and watch your family be built up. You know, it's great to be rich and glamorous and all this, but if you're coming home and your family all tore up, what's good is so. How many of us are just settling for salvation and where it is and not going for the abundant life after that? Now, in Matthew 13 and 44, uh, Jesus gives a parable here. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. He said, when a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought the field. Now, it was good that he got the treasure. Like I say, salvation is great. But he ended up going sold off. So basically, when I read this, I think about selling all the way out for Christ. Just selling out and just trusting him. Look, what the whole thing, look, mom, no hands. You know, just trust him and I'm going to take my hands off the steering wheel. Lord, you got it. Wherever you lead me, I'm going. But in, in it said he went with joy and sold all. So we should have that joy. We should be giving up all. He said, the treasure is, in this story to me, the treasure is the salvation. But he didn't just get the treasure. He got the field too. So, do we want, do we want just the treasure or do we want it all? He said, you can have it all. Just, just put it in proper order. Matter of fact, in Matthew 6.33, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He said, and all these things will be added to you. All what things? Everything you desire, everything you need. He said, you won't have no want or lack. 
I mean, this is all scripture. I could tell you promises all day long because I believe in standing on them and trusting them. I believe in reading them and knowing them. Like I said, I, I tell you all every Sunday, I, 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 I could tell you about the promises over money because I read them. Because I believe that he's going to do that. When I pay my tithes, I don't have a question. Matter of fact, I done got to the point where, thank the Lord, I got the code to the church. So when I get paid, I just come straight to the church. I whip out that machine. I pay my tithe. I ain't waiting to Sunday. I want to give it to him now. Because I want it out of my hands and in his. Because I know what he's going to do with it. But he wants you to trust him in all these things. Now, I can trust him in money and not trust him with the decisions I'm making outside of here. I mean, me being a single man, I could say, well, Lord, I trust you with my money, but I want to be all out there in any kind of way in the other life. But it's up to it's up to me where I trust him. You know, God wants our whole heart. He wants everything that we have. He wants all of us. That's why I say when it said he sold all, we have to, uh, and me personally, I feel like, and I'm, 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 at one point I didn't sell out for Christ. I, I, <laughs> You know, it was like I ta- I, in my first sermon, I talked about the room in the house where we like, you know, when you first come in my house, if I know you, I, I, you can come in my front room. You may even get to the kitchen if I cook, but you ain't getting in my bedroom. You ain't getting in the other room. You can go to the bathroom because I don't want you using it on my furniture. You, there are certain rooms in my house that I allow God, that I allow people in. And we're the same way with God. Lord, I give you this, but I want my career to go my way. Lord, I trust you in this, but I'm going to trust myself in this relationship. And many times we get caught up in wanting to do everything our way and not trusting God. But if we'll just sell out and give Him all of us completely, unwavering, undoubted. That's, that, uh, that one that I used earlier, where was it? It said immediately, completely, and willingly. If we would give Him our life that way. God wants the best for us. If we would trust Him fully, obey Him completely, have faith in Him without doubt. Just imagine where we can go. So my question again to you is, saved and what? Do you want the abundant life? So go live your best life by giving Him your whole life. I don't think there's any way that we can do that. I, I don't think you will find joy. I don't think you will find your fulfillment. I don't think you will find true happiness and true success until you really give yourself to what God has for you and His best for you. And y'all out of here early, that's it for me.